When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Wow, Matt, fellow adventurers, once again we are playing Sir Crokington. And after visiting, after restoring the stewards, the stewards to the, of the line of the Bailwoods, so they can now guard over Fogbore Forest and prevent all sorts of creepy stuff from coming out of there, something turned up in the city of Tarn. So I went back there. And then I finished off uh, one I'd left almost com almost completed, but then just left there, even though I, it was within a less than a minute of actually finishing it. I don't know why I did that. I guess I'm just a silly moo. And then yeah, there was a three-hour cooldown, and then I went into town again. Cleared out everything else. But there's one thing in here that's new. And I'm nearly fully healed. Let's see what it is. Suddenly. The unmistakable and chilling sound of large, leathery wings beating the air instinctively draws your gaze skyward. High above, silhouetted against a shifting and grey backdrop of drifting clouds. It's a strange and horrifying sight. Several, seven black winged skeletons. I guess it's also several. Their fleshless hands gripping decayed swords are rapidly descending into the ruined city. Higher and to the north of this gruesome band of winged undead soars a massive skeletal beast. The winged creature of bone, its giant crumbling skull fitted with a large and deadly black beak. Hmm, is the beak made of raven bone perhaps? Begins to circle, to shorten its circles as it slowly follows the seven skeletons down onto the street ahead of you. Yep, yeah, admittedly, looks like these are flying creatures who forgot they can fly. You know, for combat purposes although I can kind of understand them doing it gameplay wise because I'm yeah okay I guess you could have some check series of checks but that would mean you wouldn't be able to do regular combat you know you could just every, you'd, I don't know you'd walk around and every now and again you'd get attacked and then and then every, and every slightly less often, you now. One one of the 
one of the Batman or whatever has as as has assumed a position where you can see them. What do you do? And then you can choose archery, elementalism, telekinesis, destruction. What other powers would work? Thought of it. A gating could work if you thought creatively. Illusion really wouldn't deal with them for long. Shadow magic, yeah, definitely shadow magic, because that can do anything. Yeah, those options, and then if they work, you eliminate one of the beasts that are attacking you, and you know, the weight that you get a better ratio between when they attack you and when you can have the option to attack them. And then once you've knocked them all out, you get a nice big experience reward. Right. You note with growing horror that the two-legged winged beast clutches the linked, limp, bloodied body of an armour-clad man in his talons. Hmm. I'm guessing it's pursuing them, probably because it stopped, probably because he stole something from some sort of ancient tomb, which has even more monsters in it than usual. As the seven skeletons land on the street ahead of you, the winged beast, still circling above, opens its beak and screeches loudly. The bone creature's haunting cry echoes along the abandoned lane. Without delay, the seven winged skeletons start along the street in your direction, hissing wildly as they close the span that separates you. Behind the advancing undead legion, the skeletal beast touches down and begins using its massive black beak to tear at the body in its clutches. You realise that if you hold your ground and engage the advancing skeletons, it is unlikely you'll be able to flee. Well, seven. <laughs> I've fought seven skeletons several times in this, in this here city already, just recently. So you're going to need at least eight skeletons before I start even beginning to be intimidated. Hold your ground and engage the seven skeletons. As the sword-wielding skeleton leaves you and advances, the shrill hisses echoing off the wound buildings that line the street. You swiftly position yourself to face this gruesome band of undead one at a time. With grim determination, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance as you prepare to engage the first of the seven black-winged skeletons. Is a winged skeleton? I'm, gonna, I'm using Jara's staff. I'm guessing he got shrunk a little bit so Sir Crokington could use it. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I've not, I've not just bent the rules because I forgot about them. It's been shrunk. It's a smaller staff. It's, you know, only about... Maybe it's only about six inches long, but it's very dense. You swing your staff at the enemy. That, that does six damage. And since it's Jawa's staff, it has a bonus against the undead. Not really needed because I'm so incredibly powerful. With more than 300 MR, so it doesn't really have any effect. It would be three plus no matter what. The whip the black winged skeleton hisses as it slashes at you with its rusty blade. Of course, the Shara's staff really comes a lot more handy for the scaled fights around here. 
just going to keep bashing it. And the first one is slain. 39 XP, pretty nice. The winged skeleton collapses into a heap of twist of shattered bone at your feet. The leathery black wings that extend from the back of the undead creature slowly fold over its remains. You step back from the wing-covered heap of bones and prepare to engage your next undead foe. With a grim determination, you draw yourself into combat-ready stance as you prepare to engage the second of the seven black-winged skeletons. Begin! Hashes you, sashes you with his rusted blade. I smash it deep with my blunt staff. The wings, another 39 experience. The wing skeleton collapses into a heap of shattered bone at your feet. The leathery black wings that extend over the back of the undead creature slowly fold over its remains. Hmm, respectful, I guess. You step back from the wing-covered heaps of bones. Heap of bones and prepare to engage your next undead foe. Alright, I'm just going to do these more quickly now. There's a devastating blow just now for some damage. I was clicking way too quickly to weave what it was. Okay, keep going. This is number four. It's another 39 experience. Here's number five. I got a special in. It got a special in, but I didn't even notice what it was. Here's the Pomultimate Skeleton of Pomultimate Destiny. Or something like that. And now. Engage. Oh, it's gone up to 40 experience. Now I'm guessing the XP just... Like so many of these combats, they get slightly more difficult the more of them you fight. It's just, just how it works with these things. Presumably this is more really symbolising they them conveniently lying themselves up in all of strength. It's probably more symbolise your gradually increasing exhaustion. Or at least that's what I say it is. That like no, it's more narrative sense than your elements your enemies always lining themselves up in exact order of their melee waiting. And you know, not having the most powerful person fight first, or you know, swarming you. Which honestly, there's probably so much rubble in this city. With a little bit of moving, it's probably pretty easy to get into a place where you can't be swarmed. Even if you can fly, because there'll be overhanging bits and all that. Anyway, with grim determination, you draw yourself into combat-ready stance as you prepare to engage the last of the seven black-winged skeletons. Alright, bash 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 Devastating blow for 25 damage. Alright, that's a pretty generic special. Right, 40 XP. The winged skeleton collapses into a heap of shattered bone at your feet. The leathery black wings that extend over the black of the un back of the undead creature slowly fold over its remains. You step back from the wing-covered heap of bones and wipe away the sweat streaming down your brow. 384 experience to general. The massive, black-winged skeleton beast stops tearing at the bloodied body in its talons and immediately stomps along the wound street in your direction. You know what? You've probably had a better chance if you'd know... Attacked when you still had men, but well, you know what it's like. You get you find you find a delicious corpse and you get really into it, and you don't know. Oh, all my men have disappeared! Oh no! 
as it rapidly bears down on you. The fearsome undead creature stretches wide its angled beak and emits a piercing shriek that fills you with dread. Okay, picking a number. Bonus of 20. Got to get 50 or more or be spooked. Pick now. 101. Success. I will not be spooked. You manage to shake off the paralyzing dread inspired by the beast's fearful shriek. With only moments to spare, you, you hurriedly assume a defensive stance as you prepare to engage the fearsome, fleshless Benamoth, the winged, skeletal beast. Begin combat. The black-winged skeleton hisses as it slashes at you with its rusty blade. I just did a special for as a powerful surge of neville energy washed over my foe for 76 damage, because Jarrah's staff is very powerful with its specials. And it's... In the MR rating, it's just generally, and it's bonus against the dead. It's just a really good weapon. Yeah, it was pro- pro- probably one of the finest weapons you can get without, you know, slipping the GM a bit of cash. Because, of course, he needs cash, because, you know, he's got to eat and pay rent and pay rent and I'm pretty sure health insurance because he's, well, he's American and. Nearly everyone has to pay them unless they're really old, really poor, or really sick. That's <laughs> uh, that you with the rusty blade. And, oh, it's the enemy snaps its beak down on you. I don't know. It's going to try to swallow her whole. 21 damage, anyway. And it is now slain. I just, push, I just staffed its staff I was in its beak but then I just shoved the staff straight through the lower brain case and well into the into the memory of a brain and anyway that destroyed it 72 experience 256 experience to general the sound of splintering bone rises into the air and echoes along the rubble stone street Rubble strewn street as the massive winged undead peat creature collapses into a moving into an unmoving heap. After taking a few moments to recover from the brutal melee, you cautiously make your way along the lane towards the bloodied body previously clutched in the talons of the beast you just vanquished. You move up to the bloodied body lying in the middle of the debris strewn street and carefully examine it. The stench of death that rises up from the shredded corpse is overpowering. Okay, I guess it's a bit too late for me to use restoration. Although I'm going to try. Nope, nope, the only person that can be healed is myself. But what about necromancy? It succeeded, but it didn't do anything. The body, which is an advanced state of decay, is that of a middle-aged man. Despite the destruction that's been wrought upon it by the beak of the undead beast, the face, now shrunken and discoloured, has remained largely intact. Yeah, get it, you probably wouldn't want to eat the face first, because all those bones, so many bones in your face. Not when you've got this nice belly stuff with no bones. Yeah, I mean, you'd eat the face eventually. 
but you'd focus you'd focus on the bum first <laughs> or something like that i assume <laughs> no as remarkably remained largely intact touched into a leather bag still hanging across the man's back you discover a wooden box okay i guess it's wood that explains why it wasn't eaten inside the box is a wrinkled scroll you quickly take possession possession of the scroll it's a wrinkled scroll view you discovered that the, the discovered this wrinkled scroll on the body of Vsane Adventure Adventure in the Ruins Tarn. All on eight, but faded B Ooh B for Bellwood has been sculpted across scripted across the top of the worn sheet. The scroll appears to bear a set of arcane instructions, which is impossible to decipher any meaning from the cryptic writing. Oh, I guess it's a special Bailwood code. Stepping back from the body, moving out of the range of the abhorrent smell, smell, you unfurl the scroll and study the strange, undecipherable script that crosses its worn, yellowed surface. Although you can't make out anything of the cryptid phases on arcane symbols that adorn the scroll, your eyes are immediately drawn to a large, fancifully scripted bee at the very top of the sheet. Is a marking that you have seen before. One you immediately associate with the name Bellwood. You tuck the cut the staff the scroll tear carefully in amongst your other belongings, and then you do what you can to provide the slain man with some dignity in death. After giving him a makeshift burial at the base of a pile of rubble near the edge of the street, you check over your equipment before once again resuming your exploration. Of the ruined city now, and that's also another 384 experience to general. I mean, it all adds up. It all adds up. And now we're back to the, now we're back to our regular tarn, tarn exploring service. I'll just put I'll just finish that off, and then I'll go show Chilano Bearwood what we've just found. We're back to Bearwood, and we now have a. Formal adventure, which is always a nice thing to have. Is it? Is it on the list? Let me just check. No, no, no. It's not. It's not on the official list. Probably because he just never put Castle Balewood on the list of places where adventures could be. So something like that. Maybe it could be fixed, but admittedly, it's very unlikely that you're going to encounter a, a scroll with a Bellwood secret, with the Bellwood sign on it, and not think to go back to Bell. But, but admittedly, it could happen. You could do it, and then finish once finish off your turn one, and and but and you've only just started it. And by the time it's finished. And it's it's delayed on, so you also do the lower ruins. You've forgot about the Bellwood stuff. And then you're just wondering, what happened to this quest? We seem to be in the middle of something, but then it just ended. And you and you wouldn't see anything in your adventure finding because it's not there. But a possible suggestion, just just add this to the list. Anyway, this quest is called The Whipped of Umjawal. Long ago, the deepest secrets of the Bearwood Sorcerers 
were carefully concealed. And we begin. And so begins the wit of Umduol. It is during one of your lengthy visits with the waning steward of Fogbra that you present her with the scroll you discovered in Tarn. Talinia's eyes widen, and she flashes you a series of curious looks as she carefully studies the scroll. For several minutes she says nothing, as he traces over several of the arcane symbols with the fingers. How did you come by this? she asks. At last, placing the scroll across her lap and looking up at you. Tarn? Haven't you been to Tarn? You did have to tell me more about what you've seen there. Never been to the city, but it holds a great fascination for me. It always has. Honestly, it's kind of a depressing place to visit. It's it's filled with so many monsters and everything's ruined. Everything is ruined. Although we are getting hints that that, that some things have happened of the history of the city. So I guess you probably want to know about that when you finish finding it out. You asked Talinia about the significance of the scroll. This, she says. And furling the scroll and holding it, furling the scroll and holding it towards you, is the wit of Omdwell. It is believed to have been lost or destroyed or hidden around around the time the castle was abandoned. Probably as both now now both aware that was not so. I guess that's what I guess he managed to smuggle that out with him when he was fleeing the castle. No, no, I don't. Nah, he wasn't in the ca- when he when he came, returned to the castle. He didn't really have enough time to get anything. Yeah, he must have smuggled it out with him. Or maybe after Ulmbrek died, they realized, hmm, I might be next. I'm going to first. I'm going to send my send the next person in the the barrels. I'm going to send them far away. Okay. Hmm. Anything else we want to have around so they can get it if they ever have to restore the line? All right. Oh, yeah. This. Okay, I'll just write this down. Okay. Okay. Someone. Someone. Who's brave? All right. Hide this somewhere. Somewhere. Don't tell me. I might get mind controlled. Chilara tells you that the wit of Omdual is scripted in an arcade scroll. In an arcane code, a code only known to sorcerers of the Bearwood line. As she confesses, she is not particularly well versed in its intricacies. Hmm. A better grandfather would probably be better at it. Because, well, he was closer to the original Bearwoods, and of course he's had way more time to study. The wit supposedly contains a listening of secrets. Secrets about the magic wielded by my ancestors. Secrets about this castle. Secrets about the forest itself, she says. This it is, it is, however, only one half of the wit. Umbro composed the wit in two parts. Each part was used to decipher the other. Without the other, each part of the wit is of little use. Hmm, I guess that's a curious way to do it, but makes sense. You don't want to 
have 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 everything to lose any secrets if someone if you just one of them is gathered by bad guys but still curious i'm sure the more cryptographic sort of people amongst you could think of various ways ways that you could make that work and maybe you can make some comments about this below i mean if this is even on a on a system with if this even on a platform that allows comments if not you're gonna have to go on the swift discord Talina stares longingly at the scroll as she runs her hand over its wrinkled surface. The wit, the complete wit of Romdor, would certainly be a grand weapon in the battle we soon find ourselves in. If you would, Sir Quirkington, how came you by this in time? You'd explain to Jelani the precise circumstances that led to your discovery of the scroll in Tarn. When you finish your short and somewhat gruesome account, she nods and again begins to closely examine the scroll. There is a good chance we will never find the other part, she says, looking up from the scroll. But if you believe as I do, Sir Crokington, these things rarely happen without some greater purpose afoot. I sincerely believe that your discovery of this half of the wit was no accident. Jara hands you the scroll and tells you to look at other. If you were meant to find it, then perhaps there is something that only you will be able to see, she says. It's not without precedent for a document of this nature can contain hidden parts that will only reveal themselves for the proper set of eyes. Because, you know, Bellwoods, they are master sorceresses, so they can do all sorts of stuff. You unfurl the scroll and study the arcane symbols to cover its wrinkled surface. Suddenly... Your eyes are drawn to the lower white corner of the wit. There, the warm parchment is partially torn and smudged with grime. Your pulse quickens as you instinctively begin wiping away the grime that clings to the corner of the wit. Beneath the thin layer of filth is what appears at first glance to be a crudely sketched map. The sketch appears to depict a large island with a much smaller island just off its northern shore. The sketched islands appear to be a rather recent addition to the ancient scroll. You promptly turn your wit towards Tiliana to display your find. Okay, who could add to things recently? Hmm. I'm guessing it was Umdural's spirit. Yeah, let's just say that's probably the most likely. Yeah, hmm. I'm going to assume the thing about him not knowing where it was stored. I'm just going to... I'm just going to put that aside. <laughs> you promptly turn the wit towards Leona to display the proper set of eyes. She repeats, smiling. It takes less than an hour to discover the location depicted on the crudely sketched map on the corner of the wit. Chilana calls for all the maps at her disposal. After examining several, you announce the large island scrawled onto the corner of the wit is Iron Crowned Isle. An island with which you are indeed familiar. Hmm. Could you do this with without ever without having ever been to Iron Crown Island? You know, I think you could. You could. The smaller island to its north is Greenthorn. Says Jow. Several of Umdor's writings and a few of his father's make mention of it. There isn't much to escape you, Sir Crokington. Well done. Jaira tells you that Greenhorn Island 
It's a small, uninhabited island to the north of Iron Crown Island. She says the island is surrounded by treacherous waters, and it would be all but impossible to get any sort of craft safely within reach of its shores. But I do have... Uh, I am a master of seamanship. Uh, but probably still dangerous. As to... You ask Jelana if she, if she believes the second part of the wit will be found on the island. It's impossible for me to know, she says, shrugging her shoulders. But if it lies somewhere on the island, then I am all but certain it is you who are meant to find it. Your encounter with Umdral in this, his ancestral home, and your discovery of his half of the wit cannot possibly be mere coincidences. I have to believe that you have not had your last one in with Omdwell Bearwood. Jara falls silent and stares down at the wit, tapping the, tapping the stretched up, sketched island with a slender forefinger. She looks up at you and is about to speak, before a single word has left her hips. You announce that you are prepared to make the journey to Greenthorn Island. Then I will see to the preparations for your journey. I have a friend who may be able to help us. We spend the better part of a week at Castle Bayerwood. That's Tiana's guest. In that time, you learn that Isela, the castle's commander of the watch, is preparing a select group of those under her command to expand the area of the cursed forest, forest over which the steward of Fogborough claims dominion. Late one afternoon, towards the end of your stay, Tiana calls, calls you to the Grand Hall and tells you that she has made arrangements for your safe passage to Greenthorn Island. A confederate of mine will await your arrival on the battlegrounds on Ironcrown Island. He is asked to remain anonymous, and I must honour his request. He is a trusted ally and an old friend. He has sworn to me that he will see you, at, you are able to safely travel to and from the shores of Greenthorn. I do not even for a, not even for a moment have reason to doubt him. With your passage to Greenthorn Island seemingly assured, you told Talani that you will once embark on your mission, with the hope of somehow locating the second part of the wit. The young sorceress again tells you she is confident your encounter with Umdual and your discovery of the scroll in Tarn were not random events. I would not think of asking you to chase phantoms, she says. Something awaits you on the island. On that point, I am confident. Jana wishes you a safe journey, and again thanks you. As she is suddenly summoned away to deal with a pressing matter in another part of the great fortress, you bid her farewell and make your way out of the hall, eager to begin the trek to Westmere, where you will find the portal that will take you to Iron Ground Island. As you depart from the Grand Hall, you are met by Azela, the commander of the castle, castle initiates a shoulder cross and wishes you with success on your mission. I wish I might go with you, she says, but perhaps there will be another chance. I shudder to think of the state of our watch. If we weren't able to keep an eye on it all. Return safely, Sir Crockington. As his alien turns and strides off along the passage, he's suddenly struck by the notion that at least one other in the castle, apart from Tiliana, knows of your impending task. You ponder the possible implications of this realisation, but quickly decide to put it out of your mind. With that, you swiftly make your way out of the castle. 
To continue your adventure, make your way to Zulwin's Battlegrounds on Iron Crown Isle. Alright, let's go there. Stop exploring Frogborough. Uh, pop down to Ashley for a full heal. And save as well. Alright, travel. West Enticer, South East Enticer, West Mere. Visit the Misty Lock, teleport to Iron Crown Island, step into the portal. Here it is. As you reach the top of the steep grassy hill and approach the, approach the great gates of the battleground, you suddenly become aware of a shad figure lurching in the shadow of the courtyard wall. A tall, broad-shouldered man, his large flame draped in a grey cloak, and his face hidden beneath the folds of a drooping hood, moves out of the gloom and swiftly approaches you. He looks warily in all directions as he draws near. I mustn't linger, but let me say that I am pleased to meet you, friend. He says in a voice that's strangely familiar. Listen carefully. I can spare only a few moments. Wait. Is this old... Is this Grandpa? I mean, who else would we be familiar with that Tiana would trust completely? I mean, completely. Could it be? Could it be? And also, we know he's a pretty decent mage. Because, you know, he's from the line of the Bowers. And he has many years of experience. He's not, probably not quite on Tiana's level, but still. Could be. Could be. You know, I'm going to... I'm going to po po post that somewhere. Thinking some more, it could be Zorim instead. Because, as we all know... He is a master of gating, and he already lives there. Of course, we're not sure how he be became known to Gianna, but he was a former adventurer, so, so as you all know, these people make a lot of friends, what with, their, what with all the lives they save. Alright. Speaking in a hushed tone and hurried voice, the man tells you the portal waits for you in the sheltered cove on the north side north side of the island. The portal will take you to Greenthorn Island, he says. I know nothing about the business that finds you seeking these stores. These shores? And let's be certain to keep it that way. I've been asked to open the gate that will allow you safe passage to the island, and I have done so. I will not meet with you again. The tall, hooded man tells you that the trail leads to a cove on the northern side of Ironcrown Island, and you should have little trouble finding the portal. You needn't fear that anyone else will use the gate I've opened, he says. The portal is only visible to you. It will remain open until I've been instructed to close it. I wish you luck on whatever lies ahead. Before you can even attempt to ask him anything or thank him, he turns and strides off, leaving you alone before the gates of the battlegrounds. You know what, there's no real solid clues about who this is. I guess it's just one of those things that remains a mystery. To find the cove and the portal mentioned by Tilara's mysterious confederate, select the Trek to the Sheltered Cove option while standing before Zurim's Keep. And I'm standing before Zurim's Keep. I mean, there's battleground challenges here, but not, not now. Not now. Steps of the Sheltered Cove. You make your way along a winding trail that cuts through the wilder, more remote, we remote region of 
region of more remote northern region of Iron Ground Isle. After a lengthy but uneventful trek, so no crabs this time, you arrive at the sheltered cove on the north shore of the island. The dark, frigid waters of Barrow Lock churn as they pass through the narrow inlet that allows them into the small sheltered cove on the northern shore of Iron Crown Isle. To the north, almost on the horizon, you can make out the small green blot that is Greenthorn Island rising out of the shadowy depths of the lock. At the base of the cove, hovering only inches off the ground against the base of a steep cliff is a swirling blue portal. Step into the portal. You step into the portal and immediately tumble into a dark silent void. Moments later you're once again standing on solid ground on the southern shore of Greenfawn Island. You're standing on a stretch of ground on the southern shore of Greenfall Island. To the north a seemingly endless series of rolling green hills Sparsely spotted with patches of stunted trees rise up in Scotland. Wow, this is actually a rather large island. Two surprisingly well-worn paths. Odd, odd, it's supposed to be uninhabited. Who's wearing these paths? And are they path? Are they sort of desire paths that are just formed by, you know, people just constantly walking on them? Or are they more formal paths with, you know, probably just gravel? Gravel, you know, clearing the pa- clearing plants away and, you know, putting in deliberate effort to make them, make them a path. One to the northeast and one to the northwest lead up to a flat, tre- treeless summit that crowns the island's teep- steep, treacherous terrain. Behind you, at the edge of the dark, frigid waters of the loch, hovers a swirling blue portal that's identical to the one that you stepped into on the cove of Iron Crown Island. Now you can go northeast and northwest. They're the same. They're, they both go to the same place. They, they loop, they curve back round eventually. So it doesn't matter. I'm going to go northeast. You're standing at the edge of a well-worn trail that winds its way up to the steep green, into the steep green hills that dominate the small island. You're nearly a quarter of the way to the island's flat, treeless summit. A sudden, violent shudder runs through the ground beneath your feet. The ground, the ground before you erupts to a shower of dirt and stone as a massive elemental being tears its way out of the earth. The hulking earth elemental rises out of the wagged fissure and stomps towards you, its heavy footfalls rattling the ground beneath your feet. The towering earthen figure opens its cavernous mouth and unleashes a fearsome bellow as it swiftly bears down on you. Okay, why is there elementals? Has somebody found out where I'm going and is laying traps? Or is this these just the sort of guardians that Umjuel puts round everything nowadays? Well, I guess we'll never know. Unless unless of course we find unless we find someone at the top of this this summit, in which case that'll probably do us more heavily towards the it's a trap thing. Engage the massive elemental. 
The massive earth elemental stomps forward, its thunderous footfalls echoing off the surrounding hills as it swiftly draws to within melee range. You bravely hold your ground and engage the hulking Benemoth. It's a hulking earth elemental, just going to bash it. The hulking earth elemental swats at you with its massive stone hand. I'm still using Jara's staff. I'll probably unequip that after this fight. Dealt some sort of blow. Okay, 88 combat experience, 128 experience to general. You leap back to avoid the elemental's toppling bulk as the massive creature of earth and stone crashes to the ground. The mighty guardian of the Greenthorn Island is no more. After taking a few minutes to recover from the brutal combat, you dutifully check over your equipment before preparing to once again resume your trek along the path. Alright, keep keep going to the northeast. Oh wait, wait. I've got to re equip the quick stab dagger. Because that gets my all my uh, seven base stats a lot closer to twenty. You're standing at the edge of a well worn trail that winds its way up the steep green hills that dominate the small small island. You're almost halfway to the island's flat treeless summit. A sudden, violent shudder runs through the ground beneath your feet. The ground before you erupts in a shower of dirt and stone as a massive elemental being tears its way out of the earth. The hulking earth elemental rises out of the ragged fissure and stomps towards you. Its heavy footfalls whack. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Rattling the ground beneath your feet. The towering earthen figure opens its cavernous mouth and unleashes a fearsome bellow as it swiftly bears down on you. Engage the massive elemental. The massive earth elemental stomps forward, its thunderous footfalls echoing off the surrounding hills as it quick, swiftly draws within melee range. You bravely hold your ground and engage the hulking Benemoth, hulking earth elemental. The hulking earth elemental swats at you with its massive stone hand. I stab with my tiny, tiny stabber. Devastating blow, 29 damage. It is slain. Another 9 experience and 128, com- 128 experience to general. You leap back to avoid the elemental's toppling bulk, which is very large for someone who is very small, as the massive creature of earth and stone crashes to the ground. The mighty guardian of the Greenthorn Island is no more. After taking a few minutes to recover from the gruesome combat, you dutifully check over your equipment before preparing to once again resume your trek along the path. Alright, let's go from here. You're standing at the edge of a well-worn trail that winds its way to the steep steep green hills that dominate the small island. You're almost halfway to the island's flat, treeless summit. From here, the the path climbs further into the hills to the northwest that extends sharply to the northeast. See, see, it's turning turning back, back towards the middle. Climb the path to the northwest. You're standing at the edge of a well-worn trail that winds its way up 
until the steep green hills dominate the small island. You're just about three quarters of the way to the island's flat treeless summit. Suddenly, a violent shudder runs through the ground beneath your feet. The ground before you erupts in a shower of dirt and stone as a massive elemental being tears its way out of the earth. The hulking earth elemental rises out of the ragged fissure and stomps towards you, its heavy footfalls rattling the ground beneath your feet. The towering earthen figure opens its cavernous mouth and unleashes a fearsome bellow as it swiftly bears down on you. Let's engage it. Engage the hulking Benamoth. Stabity stab 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 stabity stab stab. Some devastating blows. Got two in a row, and there's no one for 38 damage. It's quite a lot of damage this one, but still, it is slain. Nine experience, 128 experience to general. You leap back to avoid the elementals toppling bulk. The massive creature of earth and stone crashes into the ground. Getting quite a bit of general experience in this one. The mighty guardian of Greenthorn Island is no more. After taking a few moments, minutes to recover from the brutal combat, you dutifully check over your equipment before preparing to once again resume your trek along the path. Now, if you want, you can take you can take if you take the other path later, you can you get three combats on that path as well, so another another 384 experience for very little work, so something to consider. Alright, time to fully heal myself. Climb the path to the northwest. You're standing on a broad, flat, treeless summit that overlooks all of Greenthorn Island. Paths lead down to the southwestern and southeastern edges of the plateau. Yep, one we've went down, one we didn't go down. Towards the middle of the summit, partially concealed by a low elbow of ridge that pokes up through the earth, is a wide, semicircular impression. A stony path leads down into a large, to a large square slab of redstone resting against the centre of the hollow. Ooh, redstone. It probably operates some mechanical stuff. Because that's what redstone does, apparently. Examine the hollow and examine the stone slab. You're standing at the bottom of a, of a stony hollow, directly in front of the broad square slab of stone. After carefully examining the slab for several minutes, you turn and make your way out of the hollow. You're taking less than three steps at the stone path when a sudden flash of green light to your west freezes you at, in, into your, in your tracks. Slowly, with your pulse racing, you turn and look towards the red stone slab. You stare back in disbelief at the slab, resting atop the broad, flat piece of red stone its a tattered scroll, bound at both ends by two grimy scripts of worn cloth. Wasting no time, you pick up the scroll, slip off, slip off the loops of cloth, and carefully unfurl the fragile document. Your heart, your heart pounds in your chest, and a smile spreads across your face, adorning the top of the wrinkled yellow sheet. As a faded, thankfully scripted bee, you have found the second part of the wit of Omdwell. The wit of Omdwell, part two. Let's have a look. You discovered this wrinkled scroll when it suddenly appeared atop a stone slab at the highest point of Greenfall Island. An ornate, an ornate but faded bee has been scripted across the top of the worn sheet. 
The scroll appears to bear a set of arcane instructions. Although it is impossible to decipher any meaning from the from the cryptic writing. Despite your inability to comprehend what was written on the scroll, you know that you hold the second half, half of the Wit of Omdral, and another 256 experience to general. With the object of your mission now safely in your possession, you replace the cloth loop you removed you remove from the scroll and tuck the precious item in amongst your other belongings. You're standing at the bottom of a stony hollow, directly in front of the broad, flat square of stone. An item could be used here. It's not the wit of Omdral. Okay, okay, I'm just going to just admit it. Uh, let's see, something here, something here. Something that associates with Fogbois. It can't be the whis Whisper Black Mist. Is that it? No, not that. That's the one that boosts that boosts my stats. All right, torn yellow paper, bowl of blood. Right, scrolling, scrolling. The paleo, paleo bread man cookie. Got that Christmas. Glowing spear of mist. Maybe that. I don't recall acquiring this hand spy spear of green glowing mist. And yet here it is, floating amongst your possessions. When did I get it? Uh, no one's quite sure when you got it. Because it just turned up. But uh, people think we got it. We, we just got it now in time. Anyway, let's use this glowing spear of mist. When you look directly at the spear, it grows quite faint and nearly disappears. Must be shy. You attempt to take hold of the glowing spear of mist, but the strange object swiftly evades your grab and floats out of your reach, coming to rest on the rest on the stone slab. You're about to step forward and attempt to retrieve the spear when a sudden gust of wind tears across the summit and sweeps through the hollow. You watch in amazement as a ghostly, ghostly glowing, vaguely human apparition begins to take form on the centre of the slab. You maintain a defensive posture as the ghostly figure continues to take form at the centre of the slab. The face of a young man suddenly protrudes from the swirling green mist, out of which the apparition is taking shape. You immediately recognise the face staring at you out of the mist. The face of a young Umdral Bellwood. The glowing apparition of Umdral smiles and nods at you. Suddenly... Suddenly, Umdral extends his ghostly hand towards you. You are simultaneously filled with fascination and dread, as you realise he wishes for you to take it. Well, considering how considering how beneficial that taking the hands of ghosts is on the battlegrounds, of course I'm going to take it. Reach out to take Umdral's ghostly hand. You reach out for Umdral's ghostly hand. The moment the tips of your fingers pass through his glowing phantasmal form, a paralysing jolt of energy surges through your body. 512 experience to general and 256 experience to all skills and powers. Um, um, if I didn't have any, there were any ones I didn't have yet, which isn't now, it would have went to those as well. As the effects of the jolt begin to wane, your ghostly image of Omdral flickers briefly and then vanishes, resting in the middle of the redstone slab. 
the exact spot occupied by the ghost of Omdra only moments ago. It's a small, sporadical, glowing emerald. You immediately take possession of the wound gem. It's a small, sporadical emerald. The description is, you acquired this small, sporadical gem on Greenthorn Isle. And this, I, it still has items you may use here. Does that mean there's other things you can do? Platinum and star coins? No, I think it's just... What does the wiki say? I just used the same item again. Glow spill of mist, use. You attempt to take hold. Uh, okay, yep, he, he appears again. The face of the young man suddenly protrudes from the swirling green mist. The glowing apparition of Omdro smiles and nods to you. Then, as quickly as it took form, the ghostly image of Omdro fades from view and vanishes. No, that, he, he doesn't tell you anything extra. Alright, making my, making my way back out of the island now. Southwest, fast, step into the portal. Alright. Leave the island... Leave the cellar and the, ta the tavern. Central. Uh, no, no, not central. Western. Fogborough, the forest of mist. Explore Fogborough Forest. Return to Castle Bearwood. Visit Castle Bearwood. You return to Castle Bearwood in triumph. His alien and several of the men at Har Command beat you at the foot of the drawbridge and escort you to the fortress. Once inside, Azalea leads you to the Grand Hall, where Tilianu is eagerly awaiting your arrival. When Azalea was departed, you are alone with the sorceress and present her with the second part of the wit. Her dark eyes stare down fiercely at the wrinkled sheet, and a faint smile forms on her faces. I sense your success. Before we even set foot in the woods, she says, smiling as she looks up at you. This is beyond even my greatest hope. Chana rises and bows. As the sorceress takes her seat, she retrieves the pre the precious scroll you recovered and holds it next to the one you've just given her. Let's see what we might just learn from this now. Talana spends several minutes poring over both halves of the wit before carefully examining each scroll at times, closing her eyes while allowing her fingers to continue moving over the two documents suddenly a faint smile creeps onto her face as she looks up you there are countless secrets hidden in these oh, i'm very much mistaken she says triumphantly holding up both scrolls i've just deciphered the first of them Gianna moves to the base of her ornate phone and stoops to examine its base when the trunk of the oak passes up through the where the trunk of the oak passes up through the dais she makes a strange, series of strange motions with her left hand, then stands up, defiantly crosses her arms. Suddenly, her eyes glow wide, and she again moves and makes a second, a second, but different series of motions with her hand. You hear a faint click, and watch as a rectangular portion of the tree trunk slowly slides out, revealing a long, shallow compartment. Tilara turns to you and nods as she reaches into the revealed compartment, Retrieves a long wooden wad. 
Several bands of iron encircled the haft of the wad at regular intervals. Talara holds up the iron-banded oaken wad and carefully examines it. Running her slight hands over the carved instrument, she stu- studies the circular set, circular socket set into the lower end of the wad before lowering the weapon to her side. This is Umdurol's wad, a weapon he's said to have enchanted with his own magic. Something that will no doubt need to be studied at length before it can be to any sort of practical use. Chara places the open wad on the arm of a great chair and turns to you. I felt his presence so I was in here, his very chamber, she says, glancing about, as if any instant she might catch a glimpse of her infamous ancestor. I have also sensed that she he is aware of the battle we are about to wage. A battle that has implications far beyond the edge of the forest. She pauses, looks back at the world and sighs. History is misjudging me, says, she says. But I'm confident, thanks to you that when I've had a chance to further study this wit, it will emerge a portrait of, the, of a man far removed from the shadow of villainy that now clones, clones his legs. I wouldn't say, even before we learnt all the things we learnt, I wouldn't say he was a villain. He was just in way over his head. Because that mistwave is scary. <laughs> he just, he didn't even care about the beacon, and it's still... The beacons were flaring full lit, wit, full brightness, and they st- it still got umbrek. Yeah, I mean, if it could kill your presumably far more experienced and powerful father, yeah, I could totally get why you'd run the heck away. I could get that. Maybe it could have slowed it down a bit to let other people evacuate, but, you know, it, it happens, it Look, look, you can't really expect you to think perfectly straight when you're in mortal terror. But, which is, of course, why he, when he stopped being in mortal terror, he goes, Oh, bugger! I've ruined everything! Well, gotta reclaim Bailwood. God, that didn't work, but that wasn't because he was bad or incompetent. It was just because it was bloody difficult. It was a bloody difficult thing to do, and maybe he should have got some help. But I guess he just maybe sort of pride, or just some massive guilt trip just stopped him from going. Hmm, I should find one of the many adventurers of this age and have them follow me as I reclaim this place. But. Maybe, I don't know if there were any really good adventurers around 200 years ago. Presumably, because there's always adventurers. Yes, I mean, even this age is just said to be, oh, there's barely any adventurers anymore. There's there's, there's Thwimbak, there's Zurim, he could come back at any time. There's, there's, there's Waka Makora. He is an adventurer, even if he isn't a very nice person. And there's probably some others as well. And I guess that... I guess the troll hunter could pretty much count as one of them. I mean, 
that he does spend most of his time wandering around the wilds fighting monsters. It's just he's he has a speciality, but he can deviate from it. I mean, he had twelve, he had goblins, no problem with that. Bandits turned up, no problem with that. All those wolf things, no problem with that. You know, once the mind controlly stuff had faded away. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, this is supposed to be an age of very few adventures, but there's some around. And the the Silver Quest, of course. The, the, well, are they adventurers or are they just monster slayers for hire? I mean, there's such an overlap between the two. Anyway, um, um, well, even before we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean... He just got, he got dealt a very bad hand. And he did the best he could with it. And he ultimately set things up. He set things up so the future would be able to to restore things. You spend two hours with Talano in the Grand Hall. Relating to her all the mis- details of your mission to Greenthorn Island. She's particularly taken by your description of the elementals that guarded the path path leading up to the monument that crowns the island's highest point. I don't, is there really two hours of stuff to talk about? Well, well, I guess there's the travel there and back. We sort of rushed that over, so maybe that was where most of it is. Time and again, she tells you she was happy and proud to count you amongst her allies. I have... I have led a largely sheltered life, she confesses as you complete your tale. I possess the legendary magical ability common to my line, and yet I am fearful of the dark. It is not an ordinary fear, through, for I am not alone with this dread. My father shared it with me, and his father, all near before him, began by any encounter with Umbro, and I firmly believe it was the undoing of our stewardship. I swear my life, however, Sir Corkington will end with me you know if you if you need someone to be with you while you're doing that just to be near just be near you while you deal with that fear just just call me call me and i'll be there disarmed by a sudden and bold admission you respond with a nod and affirm your pledge to help her as she moves with the daunting task of reclaiming the cursed forest. And I'll, I'll help with, with that too. As I've said before. The conversation gradually shifts to more mundane subjects. But all the while, you find yourself wondering more and more about the young sorceress. Who seems so to so willingly bear such a large and perilous burden. Behind her wide dark eyes. Tucked away just beneath the lingering traces of her faint, reassuring smiles, like something you can't quite put your finger on. The undefined entity appears for only a fleeting instant, the end of an unnatural pause, in the abrupt dissipation of a moment of mirth, the haunting silence of her wandering gaze. Remains an undeniable presence that speaks equally of joyous wonder. And profound, unnamed terror. 
At length, you take your leave of Tiara and wish her well as she continues. I wish her well as wish her well as she continues her work to fully restore her ancestral abode to its former glory. Well, it's got lots of glory already. You, she again thanks you and tells you that she looks forward to having you at her side in the challenging days ahead. As you pass over the drawbridge and move into the forest, you turn and look back at the imposing fortress. The four enchanted beacons burn brightly from their perches within the castle's corner towers, and their bright, their golden light stabbing through the heavy veil of mist that blankets the wood. A strange thought suddenly comes to mind. For a moment, you almost allow the dangerous notion undue consideration. As almost as quickly as it took form, however, you dismantle the idea and vow to discard it. With that, you turn and head into the forest, eager to make your way out of the fog-shrouded wilderness before nightfall. And that is the end of the Witch of Umdwell. Well, at least, most of it. There's one more thing to do. I get 2,048 experience to general, and 256 experience to all skills and powers. Quite nice. Anyhow, I've got. I also found something else there that I should show her. Let's show, let's show her the other thing I found. Visit Castle Bailwood. You met at the foot foot of the castle's drawbridge by Azela. The Master of the Watch meets you in his shoulder cross and leads you into the fortress. Once inside, you're escorted to the Grand Hall, which I seems both surprised and pleased to meet you. you. You only just left. You immediately note the two scrolls that make the Wit of Omdral are resting on a pedestal that stands next to the steward's magnificent wooden throne. What I first thought I've been able to glean from these, these is beyond even my greatest hope, she says, glancing at the scroll. There is yet much that we may learn from them, but the law they, they contain is quickly becoming one of the most potent weapons in our arsenal, a weapon that shall soon be put to good use. Well, if you need someone to, you know, use that weapon in a more physical, stabby, stabby, slashy, slashy way, you know well, you'll know where I am somehow. Even though I move around a lot, you'll know. As you converse with the young sorceress, you spot Umdro's log, rod lying on the arm of her throne. It appears Solana has recently has been recently studying the weapons you discovered in the hidden compartment at the back of her throne, compartment revealed by the completed wit. From where you're seated, you carefully examine the iron-banded oaken scroll, and again taking note of the circular socket. Set into the lower end of the impression. Circular socket. Like a spear. We just got a spear. Small poetical emerald. Let's show that to her. You retrieve the small poetical emerald from amongst your belongings. And reach out and press it into the socket at the lower end of the oaken wad. The emerald snaps, snaps securely into a round impression and a faint green glow immediately envelops the carved instrument. Presumably I explain what's happening to Tiana a bit first. Anyway, you know this was a good idea, because I've just got 1,024 experience to general. Tiana's eyes widen. 
as she stares down at the wad resting in her hands, her face bathed in a greenish glow now animating from the item. She looks up at you and nods and smiles. Have a look at it, she says, tipping the end of the road so you can clear so you can clearly see the animal, dust beneath, the glowing, faceted surface of the green gem is the unmistakable and moving image of an Otoweit. Otoruk? How could there be an Otoruk? This jet this jet this wad must be at least two hundred years old. Yes, admittedly, some of the stuff could be in the gem, but I think they're they're a set. So, uh, so of course this implies that Corotel didn't invent Otawak, and also presumably other people use them. So, of all the Otawak attacks we've seen, been because of her. Hmm. Who knows? Who knows? And did did she just? Where did she get the idea from? Because it's obviously it's an old thing. Mm. Anyway, curious, curious. When you tell Tilara how you acquired the emerald that now rests in the socket at the end of the oaken wad, she closes her eyes and nods. We are being watched. That is plain. She says, by those that would do us harm, as well as by those who wish to bolster our cause. You are somehow connected with Omdwell. It is through you that he returns to us time and again. Perhaps in what he senses is our hour of need. You state that you believe the moving image of the Otoruk beneath the glowing surface of the Emerald symbolizes that the Wad will have some untold effects on the sinister creations of Koratel. It's all but certain, she says. She gazes along the length of the oaken instrument. Something tells me there is more to all of this than we presently know, or can even guess. You must take it and keep it safe. You take back. You're taken aback when Tulani hands you the wad. I've got Umdwell's oaken wad. Probably one of the best, best weapon. The best weapon in the game if you're fighting Oferak. It's a bashing weapon. It's got an encumbrance of only two. It's magical, obviously. It's from a Bearwood. Everything to do with them is magical. It has an unknown power. Well, I guess we're going to have to wield it. We'll see. It provides 14 melee rating. It boasts Busor and Spirit by one. To even use it, you need 10 Spirit, 10 Mind, and 10 Aura. I don't know what happens if someone who's who's depressed, stupid, and unobservant tries to pick it up. I guess they just go, yeah, 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 and they accidentally hit themselves on the head, and they go, and then they drop it. This engraved, iron-banded oaken wad was once the weapon carried by Umdral Bearwood. The wad emits a continuous but faint greenish glow. Charlie discovered, discovered the wad in a hidden compartment at the back of her throne, following your retriever the wit of Umdral. The spiritical emerald you obtained is now, now set into the socket at the base of the wad. 
The moving image of an outwork can be seen just beneath the surface of the gem. I wonder if Umzawal gave us a different gem, would we have a wad that works against different sorts of monsters? Hmm. I guess we won't know unless, of course, he does. We end up fighting a different sort of monster as any patties as one. The magical energy stored within the emerald will be periodically released when you're in combat against Otorok. Please note, you do not have to be wielding wielding the ward for it to unleash its magic against Otorok. For the chances for its special attack are increased if you are. As said before, this weapon is of magical quality. You accept the ward and, and, and place it safely in amongst your other belongings. Be sure to examine the ward by clicking on your inventory. You've just done that. Alright, next time we fight Otorok, we'll be sure to equip it and see what it does. At length, after a long, a long and involved co conversation with Jelana, you bid farewell to the young steward of Fogbra, again affirming your pledge to do what you can to help her as she moves forward the daunting task of reclaiming the cursed wood. She wishes you well and tells you to take care on your adventures. She also reminds you to be cautious as you explore the forest. Unfortunately, our enemies are numerous, she says. She says, she says as she sees you to the threshold of the Great Hall. The sorceress who, who hides in the wood those wooden army overruns great portions of it. He's a stealthy and deadly foe. Is he conceivable? She would be idle while we were to unhinge her schemes. Remain watchful at every step. You bow to Juliana before exiting the Grand Hall and making your way out of the castle. As you cross the heavy drawbridge and step back into the mist-shrouded tangle that is Fogbra, you find yourself running your fingers along the carved length of Umdwell's oaken wad. For the first time since you encountered them in Ashlar, you're actually somewhat eager to run across a few Otorok. Alright, back to the... Okay. Well, we've rolled past an hour, so it's definitely time to stop. Is there a new adventure? Yes. Yes, there is. What could it be? What's new? What is new? Is it? Oh, I'm just going to scroll through the list. Hawklaw. Faces in the mirror. Yeah, that that's new. That is new. Okay. So, I'm making my way back to Ashlar. To save... Okay, so next adventure, we'll be going back to Hawklaw and doing Faces in the Mirror. But, until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.